Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So the biggest double game week in FPL history ends with, well, a bit of a whimper, doesn't it? A couple of us did limp into the 100 club, though for one of us, well, not quite, Anthony, not quite. Full disclosure, I've had a couple of beers. I've had a hell of a week. A dodgy internet. I've been given the runaround by BT. Lots of house issues. I'm meant to be moving. I shouldn't even be here. Um, but I've had all sorts of problems with you know, things like stupid little forms, all the way through to mortgages. Plus, I've had work on top of that. So apologies if I'm grumpier, more sure, or make more ridiculous references than usual. Let's get into it, though. Nick, you are right? Hey, yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Yeah, um, Quite a long double. I guess it's a week or two hours, wasn't it, ultimately? But... Yeah, it's only just finished now, recording straight after the, the pod. Not had time to, to churn out a full script as per usual, but um, I'm sure we'll manage. We are, of course... Scripton, he's admitted we script. He's admitted it. <laughs> Quiet, Tom. Let's just follow the script. Um, we are Who Got The Assist. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter if you haven't already. Usual channels, WGTA underscore FPL. Tom, WGTA underscore Nick or FPL Stag for Anthony. Um, also on Instagram, WGTA.FPL. And yeah, we're joined by Anthony too. How are you doing? The script says grand. Uh, that's probably not the proper uh, <laughs> characterization of my feelings towards FPL this week, but that's the, the way these things go sometimes. It's been um, a poor FPL week for me. It's also been just terrible, objectively, football anyway, which hasn't helped either. And this game week definitely feels like the longest game week that ever was. I know it was the biggest double game week that ever was, but it was probably the biggest flop of a double game week there ever was as well. So from... For me anyway so on many levels uh it was uh <laughs> it's good that it's done and we're moving on to the next ones um this week uh, is just another one of our quick turnover pods really so short episode answering a good few questions that have come in from the community with burning questions usually to do with selling elite players uh but first though we're going to be looking at the game of reviews and market forces yep and the game of reviews stays with you i believe <laughs> no <It lost>. <laughs> <laughs> no it's just, it's just too much yeah, it was um, 
where are we on the uh, cursing mid show this time, lads? Because like I could go on a full tirade at this point. Uh, that doesn't need an answer. I won't do it. But the fact of the matter is, is that it was shocking. Um, seventy four. Um, I don't know if that includes or doesn't include the minus four. And quite frankly, I don't want to go adding because it doesn't matter. Um, where were the points? Isn't really all that relevant in that they were all there were all points that other people got as well. The likes of Emmy Martinez, Diaz, the Gundogan assist that genuinely counts when the week was as bad as mine. I had Kane. I had yeah, that was pretty much it. To be perfectly honest with you guys, everything else appearance points. But it's really the disasters that are kind of worth talking about. So the first of those is that I didn't have San in my team, which was one of the risks that I had to run. But of course, when you have a team that scores as little as I do, uh, having some not having someone who gets into double figures is pretty bad. I benched Antonio, uh, so he obviously got a goal. There's only six points there, but that's an awful lot better than quite a lot of the twos and threes that I have in my team. Uh, Olaina was one of the players I brought in um, as part of my hit, and this is just an unfortunate one. In that you know, I looked at, <laughs> no, there was a three, there was a three way choice here, and it was. Rudiger, Bartley, or um, Bloody Ina. And I know Bartley sounds like such an outlandish pick, but I was talking about him on the pod last week, and I generally like the idea of having him. Uh, But I went for Bleed Nina, And like that would have been fine if I got that first clean sheet, but I didn't because he went off at halftime as a substitute unexpectedly for no apparent reason. And so I didn't get that clean sheet, and then obviously they didn't get a clean sheet in the second game. So big fat three points there from him um, when there could have been a lot more. I also had Kinsella was my second city defender, which of course meant that I only got a two pointer there. A lot of people had stones, which would have been 10 points. But of course, the, the real cherry on top here is that I decided to triple captain Mo Salah. And that has not worked out, uh, dear listener. Uh, five points multiplied by three. That's more than some of my triple captains in previous seasons gone by. If That's something to take from this. Uh, look, unfortunately, of course, he, he did miss a sitter against a... Sheffield United team that barely had a defender to its name. Um, Liverpool won that game, obviously, but he did not get any points from it, except for the clean sheet point, which genuinely mattered. And he was substituted in the Chelsea game. Could have been penalties there, but didn't happen for him. And yeah, it, it's, been a, it's been a bit of a weird one uh, in that, I guess there's been a few weeks where I've been about 30 weeks above the average. And then I've had weeks where I've been 30 weeks below. I can't just nail the <laughs> average and just have a you know, nice grey arrow at the moment. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely kind of a bipolar season. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a bit of a roller coaster for you. Um, I'm seconds. I think Nick has just shaded it yet again. Um, I got one one four at minus four, so I limped into the hundred club. I'll come out to that in, in just a second. And the minus four I did didn't work, so I removed Rafinha and Bamford. Um, he did blank obviously, um, but I took a hit for that. And I brought in Dominic Cavalier and he blanked, and Emil Smith Rowe who went off after forty minutes. Um, so I got five points and a net gain of minus three. Brilliant. I'm um, twenty nine players. I scored 76 points from the first 15. So I thought, yeah, you know, we're halfway there. We're almost, you know, we're 150s in sight. I got 28 points from the latter 14. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, after the Bruno blank um, the other night, I was all ready to go. You know, I had 91 points at that point, eight to go this evening. Tonight, I've scored 23 from those eight, including the captain, which is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, really, really bad. And I know that obviously it's, I'm complaining, even though I've hit the 100 club, et cetera, et cetera. But my, but my OR is 265K. Like, this is a big chance for me to push anywhere. And yeah, and, like, and it's just, it's just, like, it feels like a bit of a missed opportunity, really, with Kane not doing anything. I mean, I can console myself about the fact that this would have been my triple captain choice if I didn't triple captain Kevin De Bruyne all those weeks ago when he got an eight-pointer. And so it's kind of even Stevens there. But 
No, it's, it's a bit annoying um, really to have ended up where I've ended up. Uh, the biggest game week in FPL history and just coming out with a 114 feels a bit crap with a bench boost as well and 29 players on the pitch. Nick, how did you do? I think you were two points ahead of me, one point ahead of me. Three points. Plus I didn't take a hit as well. So I ended up with 117 points, which, um, yeah, I'm very pleased about. And I think you should be really pleased with your score, to be honest, as well. That's quite a decent green arrow. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the start of this this week, after the first set of fixtures, I was on 81 points and showing a game week rank of 14k, which was looking really, really nice, I think. First bunch of fixtures were just excellent. I think the only sort of downside, I guess, for me was my bench boost was pretty rubbish, all in all. I kind of was 50-50 in terms of the bench boost or the triple captain. Ultimately, they both scored the same because my bench boost only got me eight points, which is rubbish. Dallas and Rafinha not doing anything. They've got Magic two times two on the bench. Um, a bit unlucky there to not get a goal tonight. And also had McCarthy on the bench, but he didn't even play, so that was pointless. So yeah, didn't really work out with the bench boost. But if I triple captain Kane, I've got the same point, so it doesn't really matter. But um, yeah, the team did pretty well. Martinez in goal got 12. The defence was kind of just where I mainly bossed it, really, with like some concert, picking up nine in total. Shaw and Rudiger both getting double clean sheets. I wasn't expecting double clean sheet from Rudiger considering his tough fixtures, so that's very nice to see. And Stone's getting a 10-pointer. Midfield was pretty meh, to be honest, but it was kind of all the guys with the shrugs anyway and the spies, so it didn't really matter. Lots of commanders and Salah and Gundogan, Blanking and Rafinha. And Son got me 14 points, which is very nice. And up front, uh, Watkins got seven points, which I guess was all right. And the Kane, kind of, you know, it's kind of a question of what could have been with Kane, I guess, but I think I'm pretty happy with what happened because after the calamitous couple of weeks where I really dropped down in rank, I was looking at 250k at one point. I've got climbed back up to 92k, which is roughly where I was sitting before. So big week for me, I guess, in terms of overall rank and um, kind of back in the mix as to where I was previously. So that's quite nice comeback tactics as it were let's see how the market's doing next thing with you i know it's literally just kind of finished um but it looks like a few injuries especially to those leicester boys has meant that there's a lot of movement in midfield this week barnes and madison sort of the most transferred out players right now Four hundred and seventy thousand transfers out for barnes one hundred and seventeen thousand for madison also grealish um also being sold heavily he's been injured for a little while hundred seventy thousand out for him we've got questions about the mid-price mid so i won't linger on this too long but Interestingly enough, the Lingard's the most transferred in player right now with 200,000 transfers in, only 6 million, three goals and two assists in five games um, for him since joining West Ham. What's essentially been a very much a career revitalising move for him. Very interesting um, to see uh, what we think about Lingard later on in the pod. Otherwise, um, it's the City boys that are being brought in. So Gundogan, De Bruyne and Diaz are the most transferred in players apart from Lingard, around 100,000 transfers in for each of them. But what I was quite interested about, actually, is one of the players I was looking at myself is Cancelo, heavily sold right now, 76,000 transfers out. Um, and also Sterling's been quite heavily sold, 60,000 transfers out. And it does strike me a little bit of sort of recency bias there. They didn't do very well in the in the double game week, so they're being sold. But, you know, these guys are pretty good players and they've got another double game week coming up. So I'm not too sure about those moves there. Maybe a few sideways moves 
um happening in terms of trying to predict pep but yeah i'm not too sure about that one so i don't know what you guys think about that I, yeah i think i agree with you first of all that the the city moves out seems a little bit hasty and i i do feel that anytime anyone tries to predict pep or tries to make moves on last week's you know successes in the city team it just tends to implode on you the next week and so it's you know it's it's part of the reason why i would never have considered the sideways move from the likes of Cancelo to the likes of stones because i just feel like no matter what, I'll probably just transfer out the wrong one or get the wrong one in at just the right time. So it, it just wasn't worth it. And I think, you know, with especially with the double game week coming up, it's just not worth that particular risk. And as you say, then we'll, we'll get to the mid-price mids later. And I think that's the most interesting discussion otherwise within that market forces. Yeah, it definitely is. But obviously, as we just mentioned, the games have just finished um, and Liverpool have just lost, uh, I think, the fifth home game in a row. And Exactly. Yeah. And I think that the market force is going to change immeasurably over the days to come um, as a result of that, because obviously there are a couple of men, um, one being Bruno Fernandes and another to Anthony Chagrin, uh, to use one of our favourite words on this pod, Mo Salah, are both blanked over this double game week, meaning that a lot of people are thinking, ooh, premium sell-off time and rubbing their hands together with glee. Uh, lots of questions on this one. Um, Liam FPL 91 asks if it's time to consider sacrificing Bruno slash Salah. Uh, Liam is joined by Ali Alum in asking this question, who he asks, you know, is Bale an alternative for Crystal Palace Arsenal and Aston Villa? Obviously, it was a little bit earlier. This question was asked before the game tonight. FPL Nordic asks as well if selling Bruno uh, for Son is a good move. Again, this question was asked before tonight. I guess in terms of the, the first thing to say, um, Spurs, are you sure? I mean, obviously, they got the own goal. Um, but second half, that was horrific to watch I, I don't even know what i was doing watching that i would have probably had more fun watching an animated uh, screensaver crystal palace versus united i i wanted that fog to come down because that would have been more entertaining than the game itself it's one of those things isn't it where you're kind of looking at it and thinking we've said in those high ownership players there's all there's always that risk that they can come at you but this time of the season i guess is it's beginning to become that time to take risks isn't it, anthony it's, it's beginning to be that sort of time where people do look at someone like bruno and salah those mainstays of our fpl teams and thinking well i can you know make hay elsewhere bruno for example man city west ham blank brighton and tottenham four out of those next five look a bit dodgy don't they you see i think that's the very strong argument for getting rid of Bruno especially is that the fixtures don't look good and the form is terrible too like I think the arguments that we'd be making for Bruno Fernandes are almost the types of arguments that we'd be making for the talisman of players in teams that were going to get relegated in teen years gone by you know that team won't get many chances but he's going to be there to finish them if there is a chance and that's kind of the, the feelings that you have with Bruno and United when they're not on song and this is it's definitely been a feature of United this season in general but it's definitely becoming more and more apparent as they tire and as the season goes on that unless a team does something really silly defensively and just implodes and then they can run up a score like they did at Southampton and like they did against Real Sociedad you're not going to necessarily see huge scores coming from Bruno and of course he can always the thing with Bruno is is that as he has done so many times he he gets his fortunate penalty picks up an assist and then suddenly you're looking at an absolute haul of the score and it's kind of you just feel foolish if you don't have him in your side and even more foolish uh, if you haven't captained him and half the world have captained him and that's always going to be the argument against him. Like if you were to get out any of your season tickers, for example, you'll see that almost nobody has, I think even United have the worst fixtures on some of the season tickers that go around at the moment. That's pretty bad. <laughs> but at the same time, he continues to churn out the points. 
Salah, on the other hand, you can at least point to the stats. You can at least point to the fact that he is getting the expected goals, he's getting the XG non-pen, he's getting the shots in the box, he's sometimes in the right positions when you're watching the games, he certainly is in terms of the volume. And even this uh, this game we just gone, the double game we just gone, very few players had a higher XG than him without scoring a goal. And the whole entire discourse around Salah is completely different if one of those goals finds it, or one of those balls finds its way into the net. Um, at the same time, Liverpool are just just not at it at the moment, especially at home. But I, I really don't read a huge amount into the fact that they've been particularly bad at Anfield and not as bad on the road. Like there's just a something permeating through that whole entire side that seems to be just holding them back. And it's it's not just injuries to centre backs. There seems to be so much more to it than that. It's a malaise. It's a it's a crash that. It's very hard in FPL terms to deal with um, and to kind of try and put numbers on. And I think it's easy to say, Salah Talisman, keep him, don't have the rest of them. But at the same time, 13-ish or 12-ish million hole in your team value that you could spend elsewhere if you're brave enough. Yeah. I think maybe we're we're at that point. Yeah, no, certainly. I think that it's one of those isn't it where you're watching Liverpool and it's one of those ineffable things as you say that you can't nail down data wise um, but investing in a team like that if it wasn't for kind of maybe the prior sort of love Salah you'd be looking at it and thinking oh you know, really I mean I can understand for example why he went with the TC because on a gamified level having a player who's got the, the pedigree of Salah as a differential captain um, was a great idea but uh, well, look, it has he had, been he had the un- I'll, I'll back myself here into a corner on a, something that has already failed. But, you know, had the stats, yeah, had a pretty decent fixture there against Sheffield United, who had a lot of injuries into their side. You kind of felt like Liverpool were underperforming, even if they flattered to deceive at times. And, yeah, yeah it, it obviously no. didn't work out. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But, I mean, if you look at the rest of their fixtures for the rest of the year, they've only got one top six team left in Man United in game week 34 the rest of their running is actually really damn good. It's just a case of whether you are a fixtures over form person to dredge up that boring old sort of uh, dichotomy, I'm afraid. But even, uh, even on this, Tom, though, Liverpool have actually raised their game against the top six quite well this season. And I think mm. I only saw just the other day, they were second, I think, in a table between the top six in games this year, whereas yeah. they've managed to pick up, I think it's like six points in total against the bottom six or something silly like that. Like it's, Really, really bad form against the bottom teams. Like, so like, Harrison, like Ra- so. Raul Jimenez versus the top six versus the bottom six, that sort of thing, rehashed as a football team. Yeah, or Vardy even. Yeah, it's yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Whereas Fernandez is the other side of the coin. Yeah. Mixed fixture list. Nick, what do you reckon to all this? Quite like the idea of, um, sort of going back to some of the questions, like Gareth Bale, he is an option. He, I mean, the first game, Spurs-Burnley, was very much exciting to watch as a fan, 4-0. The second game, it's just the opposite. It's kind of that season, isn't it? You see, seen some really exciting games for Spurs and then some dreadful ones as well. And the Fulham one was awful tonight. But, um, you know, the whole idea of perhaps leaving a triple up, Bale, Son and Kane, I think no better opportunity really to do it right now, isn't there? With um, with the blank game week, so you like know, like Salah and Bruno not being in form and also having that blank game week, making them potential options. So they're selling them, but, Nick, you know... Blink if Jose Mourinho has a gun to your head. <laughs> yeah, well, did, well. Let me if you let me finish. That's the that's the other side <laughs> of it. Obviously, there's there's huge risks to that, and it's certainly not a road I'm going to go down. I think, you know, Bruno and Salah. It's just like 
both of those guys didn't do particularly well in the double game week. But, you know, judging by Bruno's history, you know, obviously this is not an indicator of future form. He's, he's never actually blanked um, three games in a row in his Premier League career so far. Um, and the last couple of times when he did blank earlier in the season against Chelsea and Arsenal, he followed it up with a 17-pointer against Everton. Um, similarly, when he blanked uh, later on against Manchester City and Sheffield United, he then followed it up with a 17-pointer against Leeds. So, And then two double-figure hauls after that as well. So pretty damn impressive returns. As you know, we, we, there's been many a game where they somehow housed a penalty or whatever. And, you know, it would be unfortunate perhaps this week to, to not do that. Um, you know, a bit of a contentious uh, refereeing decision there, uh, which we won't talk about. But um, otherwise, I think I'm not going to be selling Bruno. I think he's a player that's been damaging our ranks despite owning the fella. So imagine how much damage he's going to do if we don't own him at all. And um, having just recovered my rank personally, it's not, it's not something within my risk appetite. I'm happy just to hold him throughout the next few and fail aside are there any real premiums that we're really waxing lyrical about that we want to transfer in that we're super excited about not really to be honest we're all quite you know like for sterling's not really catching us i all tripped up on manchester city the mm. few mid-price mids but we've got we've got the funds to get those guys in if necessary anyway so i don't really think there's a strong case for either selling bruno or salah and looking at the underlying stats, even though they've not been great just over the course of the last six game weeks, they're still actually top for the metrics for midfielders. Both have had 22 goal attempts more than any other midfielder. Both have scored four goals in the last six game weeks more than any other midfielder. Um, yeah, so, you know, best stats out of all the midfielders. Pricey, yeah, pricey, pricey guys. Everyone owns them, so you could take a risk with a differential. But, you know, they've, they've got the previous performance that I would still say um, works in their favour. Yeah, so the EO sort of fear thinking in there. I mean, it's the case that I don't really know what I'd do with money at the moment. I mean, I, I have looked at, for example, and what a time to be alive it is, selling Salah and bringing in jailings of all people. It's, it's just that sort of time of the season, isn't it? Um, as I said, Liverpool do have a decent run in. Bruno, have, uh, Bruno as well has a bit of an indifferent one. But in that indifference probably comes opportunity or at least lack of massive EO meaning that you have to caption him to gain because if he's got dodgy fixtures people are less likely to caption him so hopefully you'll get some sort of gain by owning him in your team especially people are jumping off and he is a very very consistent point scoring player and um, we do have this every year with every player who's been fairly decent that there is a bit of a fallow period and people think oh you know it's time to jump off or at least i've had a really bad time double game week and then they overreact and i think as nick's getting at um then kind of start down the road to ruin, I suppose. And plus, I guess a lot of people have got loads of money in these guys. Salah, I bought at 12.2. He's now 12.6. Bruno is now 11.6. I bought him at 10.5 many, many moons ago. Um, so I think it's just one of those. There is one thing to mention here, which is the return of Kevin De Bruyne, I think. I think that's kind of what's causing a lot of um, itchy feet to some extent. Um, I'm not interested in paying 11.8 million for assists. Um, that is kind of my viewpoint on this. Um, but I can see why some people are beginning to think, and he is in the market force, of course, as well. Um, I can see why some people begin to think, oh, it might be time, you know, to, to get KDB in, because at least, you know, he's gonna he's got a double game weeks to come, and he's definitely going to be playing probably the Pep. Any thoughts on KDB potentially taking one of those premium roles, guys? I haven't been massively impressed since he sort of returned to the fold, the Manchester City team. And you know, I think there are other options within that team. I, still, I think Gunderhan you can get for like 5.6 million cheaper. But um, of course, City do have the double game week. So, you know, it, 
he is an option, perhaps one I should think about a little bit more um, as a sort of swap between Fernandez and De Bruyne. But yeah, I mean, at the moment, you know, he hasn't had the best of seasons. He's, I think he scored once in open play all season, which is just ridiculous, ridiculously poor, considering you're paying an out, outlay of 11.6 million for this guy. So uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I'm like you, I think. In the last three game weeks that he's been involved, the last three games that he's been involved, Jao Cancelo has played about twice as much time in the last six game weeks, and he's averaging about as much XG per game as Kevin De Bruyne is. So it's kind of when you've got Hundoan there and when you've got those defenders going so well, and when there are other risks that you could take in the City team for kind of better value, the likes of Mahrez, if you really want to start playing that game of roulette, um, the likes of Foden, uh, Sterling even, even do we say it, Gabriel Jesus? Like w- when you have these options in the City team, I'm just not sure if of all of them, De Bruyne is the one to go for. I just feel like you're kind of mm. hamstringing yourself. And it's, it's an EO problem here as well as much as anything. They're just, what you're doing is selling somebody that's going to punish you if it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. for what seems like an upside based on the past as opposed to on the present. Yeah, I think this is a nice place as well to bring in Neil Reynolds' question on Man City, man really. Um, so Neil got in touch to ask if free Man City remains worthwhile given the level of rotation, and if so, which free? Um, so we've, we've all given our views on maybe KDB not being the guy. Um, but I think that at the moment, we're all kitted out as follows. We've got two defenders, two of Stones, Diaz and Cancelo and uh, Gundogan, right? Um, and I think the defence completely makes sense. I mean, five big chances conceded in the, in the last eight games. That's an XUC of 4.5 over the last eight. So an XUC of 0.56 per game. So basically you've got a 44% chance of a clean sheet. That's a really, a really crude way of reading it. But, you know, almost half chance of a clean sheet whenever a game kicks off. It's pretty damn good. Uh, times two as well. Um, and as we've seen in the big game, City do make it to a board draw. They strangle the game. Uh, Gundo obviously has been putting up the stats, did get that late assist, um, which did vindicate him. But, you know, rotation, 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 I think it's going to kick in. As I'm sure it's going to be, um, and also as I'm sure it's been pointed out elsewhere, I mean, Nick, you're buying Cancelo. Um, he's actually the highest owned defender at the moment with 25.9% ownership. I was shocked to hear that. Absolutely shocked. I think it was pointed out and always cheating, wasn't it? Um, and uh, top 10K player ownership, Stones 56%, Cancelo 62%, and Diaz 37%. Almost 30% of the top 10K own Stones and Cancelo. Um, so it looks like two defenders and Gundogan is kind of the default at the moment. But I mean, guys, do we think that rotation is going to be the thing that was a very pep-esque guys, wasn't it? Um, just to quickly examine myself. Um, but is, is Relax. I mean, do, do we think that that's kind of going to be the way forward or is it going to be that we kind of eventually pare down and have you know, maybe two cities or something like that and maybe no Gundo or something? Just I can imagine rotation getting out of control now. The league's sewn up. Possibly. I mean, obviously we've got the double game week coming up. So I've only had two City for um, this last week, but I'm going to be tripling up for that. I'm probably going to be saying Luke Shaw. Um, and I've got the money to do a straight swap to Cancelo. So it seems to make sense, despite what I'm reading in the market forces right now. But perhaps that's based on recency bias, as I said, and the high ownership that you just highlighted of this guy. But um, I think certainly it's all about the double defence with, with Manchester City. And they've just been in furious form over the last uh, few months. Just been insane. 15 wins in the league Um in a row, which is just an unbelievable record um, to achieve there. And um, 
I'm certainly going to be back in the defence, I think, over, over rather than the midfield or the front line where there is a bit more risk of rotation. Unfortunately, with John Stones, seems like with Laporte back, he, he seems to miss out every other week. So I don't really know what's going on there. But I don't mind because um, I've got like Rudiger who could potentially come in as a replacement anyway. So, um, yeah, I think Concello will be the one that comes in for me. And with Gundogan, I might sell him ahead of 29 um, just to get an extra man in for 29. But I could easily get him back in. I don't have a lot of money tied up in him, unlike a lot of other managers. So um, I've got a little bit of flexibility there. But he could easily come back in because he's dirt cheap anyway. But um, yeah, as, as, as we kind of alluded to in the last question, I'm not overly convinced about spending the money on the likes of Sterling or De Bruyne. I'd rather sit on the saddle of Bruno, though I can understand the arguments towards that as well. Yeah, um, little to add on that, to be perfectly honest with you. I feel like that double defence and good one is the way to go. Um, you point out that Stones, that Laporte is kind of coming in and he could miss out every other week. You could make the same argument for Cancelo. Uh, I think especially as well as we kind of, the city of the title sewn up, we haven't really seen them going about demolishing teams as much. It's a much more efficient uh, way that they go about things. Big games, small games. It's just, you know, get that margin of a lead and then just kill the game, uh, if at all possible. And I think we're going to see that kind of go into hyperdrive as this season kind of continues. And obviously the Champions League is the grand ambition and they've got the lead to basically chase that ambition. It's going to be hard to predict Pep. It's always been hard to predict Pep. I don't think the next three to four game weeks are when we really need to be too worried about it or any more worried about it than any other time so far this season yeah. anyway it just feels like a case of you know don't bench don't captain these players um yeah to be frank yeah. just because i mean yeah. people were saying oh no diaz is definitely nailed and then pep's come out and praised the fact that this guy can play every game and he's so fit and he's an incredible he's got incredible mentality like he does with Cancelo, it does with Foden. We know he's going to be benched at one point fairly soon. And over the next kind of, you know, three game weeks before the Champions League, they've got a United game, which I'm 100% sure you're going to see the strongest team. I think that's probably going to be likely. And you've got the Southampton and Fulham games before the Champions League and then a blank. Now, normally you'd say, okay, the Fulham game, that's going to be the rest before the Champions League. Um, but, you know, Lots of pet season pet watches, for example, Chris Tan. Um, he always says, you know, rhythm's really important for pet. That's something he always bangs on about. So it might be the other way around for pet, where he would see the Southampton game, given how poorly they've been. I think they've conceded 20 goals in the last six, so nine more than the other team. Like that Southampton game would be the one, perhaps, where they would rest players. And so you'd kind of see the Southampton game in the rest and the Fulham game being the rhythm. So if you captain the City player this week, like Gundogan, for example, you're probably going to be captaining a player in the Manchester derby, which is likely to be a nil-nil. You can do a Diaz and hope that he plays a second game. But it's just one of those where prediction Pepper, Stag said, is just such a futile exercise. I just don't see that it's worthwhile. It's the case, as I said, of don't bench, don't captain, leaving it at that. And there's one final thing as well. Um, game week 33, the League Cup final where Spurs and City don't have a game. A lot of people are saying, oh, could you know free hit be a thing then? Well, I mean, if you've got two defenders who are fairly kind of cheap, uh, I mean, obviously Diaz and Cancelo are getting up there, uh, but Gundogan as well is, is fairly cheap. I mean, do you guys see it being the case that that free hit in 33 could be a thing, especially if you know 29 is something that we could all kind of adapt for anyway? Because this kind of City thing, where if we keep being tripled up, could mean that it's more efficient to use it then. Well, I've already used my free hit, but I, th- I haven't really thought too heavily about 33, to be honest, and the machinations involved there. I've just kind of been planning mainly for 29. But if you 
are finding yourself actually looking at your team and saying, hold on a second, I've got nine players for 29 because I'm tripled up on Spurs or 10 players for 29. I've got the three City boys sitting on the bench. Then why not? You know, perhaps that's that's the way forward. You've, you've got to optimise your team and you don't want to be in a scenario by 33 where you're thinking, actually, I'm now screwed for this free hit because of my free City because I've got Son and Kane and maybe even Dyer or someone as well. So, yeah, I certainly think um, you've got to look at your own team, um, look at your own options and decide whether that's worth a free hit or not. And Anthony, you've still got your, your free hit, haven't you? What, what are you thinking there? Yeah, I'm, I'm still feeling like it's going to be a 29 free hit for me. Um, that, that could change. I, to be perfectly honest with you, I haven't got too into the permutations because the fact of the matter was, was that one or two injuries would change my whole entire complexion on things anyway. Uh, even still already, we've had some bad injuries in my side, or not some bad injuries, some bad form throughout my side, which means that I kind of just want to get rid of them anyway, uh, the likes of Vardy and Co. Mm. Okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, so speaking of bad form, injuries in Leicester, oh, that's a very tenuous link, isn't it? I was, that was the one I was trying to set up. I was like, oh, I know where we're going, so I'll just throw Vardy in. Hans, help. <laughs> Um, so Chris, FPL Hazard 10, asks, who is the best Harvey Barnes replacement? He says he's looking to get Lingard in as he can bench 28, but there's only one else he's missed. And I think this sort of just about links into 29ers. So Andrew Helmstetter, Bon Anniversaire, um, has been in touch to ask which Game Week 29 team slash players he think we should be targeting um, with transfers to try to get ahead of the game if we're not playing free hit in Game Week 29. Just to answer the Lingard question, I look at his numbers and, again, what a time to be alive. That young player is actually showing some potential. He's equal to Gundogan for shots on target over the last four, having played one game less. And West Ham are now a top six team, you know. David Moyes, potential manager of the year. Lingard, Lingardian, Leviosa indeed. Uh, what do you guys think about this in terms of a, a Hans replacement and also, you know, general 29ers? Yeah, I did a little bit of analysis, actually, in terms of the mid-price mids um, and the options there. And, and Lingard, yeah, I, I was surprised to um, to hear us recommend him on the pod that he's become an FPL asset again. I thought Ross Barkley, maybe at some sort of sickening push, would enter the zeitgeist again. But I, I certainly didn't think that, that Lingard would be kind of on the scene and, and heading towards their FPL teams. And I'm actually strongly considering him based on the underlying stats. Um, but there's there's a few actually others that I looked at. I think, you know, you've got the likes of Suchek still around, you've got uh, Jared, Jared Bowen, perhaps another West Ham option. And then you've obviously got uh, Rafinha at Leeds, um, El Ghazi perhaps, and Saka. So those are the guys that I looked at, those six in particular, just kind of over the last seven game weeks to see who was in form and who was the best, um, best assets. And... Uh, Surprisingly, actually, Rafinha, um, he's been the most defensive of all, all the sort of mid-price mids. He's definitely someone, if you don't have in your team, I'd recommend quite strongly. He's had 20 goal attempts over that period, 13 inside the box, um, nine on target over that period. But um, Lingard's actually quite close second. He's also had nine shots on target, but he's only actually played five of the games as well since he's joined West Ham. So, you know, he's, he's been statting really, really well. And over that period, both Lingard, Suchek, of course, because he... He doesn't have many goal attempts, but they're always sort of very sort of close range headers, that sort of thing, off the back of corners, the big man. Um, another one who's also scored three goals over that period. But Lingard's had the most chances per minute with one every 27.5 minutes. So I really like him as an option. I'd highly recommend him. Um, the other side of the coin chances created, there's only one answer there, and that's Rafinha. 
uh, training free chances created over that period, including five big chances, three assists, and, and no one comes close to him at all. Um, El Ghazi was a sort of distant second with seven chances yeah. created. So over that seven game week. So yeah, um, for me, I think it's Lingard and Rafinha. If you don't own those guys, they'll be the ones to, to target right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you've said, I, I also picked out Rafinha um, for the same stats, basically. And you've got to love those stats on any player, a player who's appearing both in the shots, the fret column and the creativity column. Big, most big chances over the last six, most chances over the last six game, which equal to Luke Shaw. Really? Yeah, yeah. Big Luke Shaw. Um, yeah, I mean, one that costs just 5.4 million um, is that's definitely one that's worth kind of looking at. I know the next two games, West Ham and Chelsea aren't great, uh, but they've got Fulham and Sheffield United after that. And there's definitely a case for him to be nominated as a, the talismanic figure for Leeds at the moment, if not in point scoring, um, more kind of from a football point of view, passing the eye test sort of thing. Um, the only one the only one I'd throw in before I go on to Anthony uh, is uh, Mr. Saka. Um, definitely looking at that guy, um, especially for Arsenal's run-in, uh, which is more than okay. So from game week 31 onwards, they only play Chelsea um, of the traditional top six in game week 36. And over the course of the season, this guy has got fifth for shots in the box amongst mids. He's got a better season on XG than like Madison and Mount. Creativity is all right, but he's 5.2 million. And if you watch him play, as Anthony insightfully put it the other day, he's quite good. Um, so another one who's recommended by the eye test and another one who I definitely kind of thinking uh, could be a, a revised component of a final season, um, a, an end of the season sort of Arsenal um, pick. Anthony, what do you reckon here? Yeah, I think looking at kind of the underlying data, okay, yeah, Lingard is interesting um, for sure. I'm, I'm not sure I kind of fully subscribe to this brave new world that we're entering with Lingard as a top pick. And instead, if I was to pick one of them, I would be talking about Rafinha as well, because it is that mix in the two columns, as we say, which is obviously his attacking threat in terms of goals and creativity, which he kind of leads the line on in both. I think looking at the rest of the midfielders, you kind of toss in names that we didn't mention, especially in the chances created column. Pascal Gross is in there, but there is not a hope that anyone is going to select him. So let's just move swiftly on from him and go to Adamota Luckman instead, who has been creating nicely. He's kind of, he's an interesting player to watch in that Fulham team. He can bag a goal. He's not as big of a threat as maybe the likes of uh, some of the other players that we'd have mentioned. And I think if you're looking for Fulham goals, you probably just look straight to Josh Maja. Um, but yeah, Saka is definitely a player that I really, really, really do like. And whilst he might not lead the line in terms of volume um, in these sort of statistics that we're picking out, I feel like he's an objectively much better player. And I kind of feel like his ceiling is so much higher when he gets going. Um, like obviously, look, he's only had what two double figure hauls this season. But honestly, there's been a, quite a few games that I've even owned him where I felt like he could have had a double figure haul in and amongst them as well, be it with goals that were ruled out for offside or big chances missed or, you know, penalties that he won that weren't converted. And this sort of like random stuff that goes on with him. Uh, he's an interesting player for sure. But <laughs> if, you were to, if you were to pick one, especially with 29 in mind, and that's not an issue for me with a free hit, obviously, it probably is Rafinha. Cool. I mean, let's widen out from the midfield into other sort of 29 friendly picks here if we're going to go there, because there are obviously a few players that people may be looking to move on and maybe be thinking, well, this is a good opportunity to get ahead of it, you know, get a 29 player in just to just kind of, you know, back up that transfer, or at least make that transfer uh, cashed against the 29 game. Um, 
done for me um, in terms of my transfers this week. Um, I'm looking to get rid of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I know there could be a double game week there, um, but Everton did look pretty bad. Um, and especially watching Calvert-Lewin as Nona, wow, that was that was a horrible situation. I feel sorry for people who did captain him. Um, I was very close to doing it. I'm glad I didn't. Um, but I'm looking at grabbing Mr. Antonio yet again, uh, just because over the last six game weeks, he only played five games compared to the rest, but he's fourth for non-pen XG, third shots on target and big chances. And he's playing Leeds, who are very leaky as a defence. So uh, another player who probably is back on the table, um, as is my man, uh, Mr. Craig uh, Mike Dawson uh, at West Ham as well. If you want to go all the way up as well, there's obviously Nick's man Cresswell too. I mean, outside of the midfield guys, there are only a sort of 29ers um, that we are kind of thinking, oh, you know, that could be nice uh, to buy in now if you've got the opportunity. Well, I think if, if you haven't jumped on the Stuart Dallas train, I think that would be an excellent time to, to get on board that one as well. I think he's been next. I've had him since my game week five wildcard and I think he's been absolutely excellent for me um, with his sort of goal threat he's playing out of position mostly in midfield so yeah certainly would recommend getting on in, getting in the uh, Dallas Buyers Club he's a five goals uh, and uh, highest XG as well for all defenders over the course of the season with 2.63 interestingly you said Nick's man Cresswell because he was the other defender that I highlighted just because of his uh, his uh, creation threat so yeah he's a uh, He's been the king of assists for defenders this season, picked up nine so far. He's on set pieces and corners and creating impressive 39 chances. I think only one other player has done more than that. So, um, which Luca Dean, who's obviously another option if Everton do have a double, but we're, we're not going um, we don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um, and uh, yeah, I think if you're going to go really bargain basement, I'm not going to name names because I'll get derided, but I think the Brighton defence, um, a couple of really cheap options there, around 4.24 million, 4.3 million. Um, if you really need to make some savings, perhaps that'll fit a nice hole in your team. But um, I guess, yeah, I'll quickly mention the forward line because you did mention those players. Isn't There's no one particularly exciting, particularly innovative to mention. I've got Josh Madger in my team, so I'm probably going to keep him. He's pretty good. Um, since signing for Fulham and was unlucky not to score tonight. Uh, but I think it's the usual names, isn't it? Bamford, Watkins, who's already in my team, and Antonio. But um, as I said, you know, there, there's a possibility um, of a double game week for Everton and Aston Villa. And knowing FPL in their current form, they'll announce it after the deadline. Uh, so I'd be nervous a little bit about instantly selling uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but that's because we all got trolled massively uh, last time. Yeah, so I, I think amongst the strikers, I'd put uh, Mikel Antonio front and centre of those choices. He's kind of performing away at a pretty elite level all the time, and he just he's kind of a threat in every single game, which is a real help. So it's, it's not really an issue that you bring him into your side, you know, multiple weeks in advance, um, like with the United game, for example, wouldn't have a problem with having him for that. Wouldn't have a problem having him playing Arsenal either. Like he's just not the sort of player that you'd be concerned about in that regard. Whereas you might be with a an Ollie Watkins type yeah, character. Yeah, no, I agree. Even though less, <laughs> just given the um, that fixture, like you kind of feel like that Tottenham defense can be got at in a way that uh, some of the other defenses can't. Uh, but Maja is probably kind of the interesting pick in there for the double game or for that blank game week, given that he plays Leeds. Like. Look, that's a good, that's a probably should be a good uh, fertile hunting ground for any striker in the league. Um, looking at the defenders, really, it's just kind of the inverse of that. It's just like who happens to have good defenses, really, isn't it? Um, Brighton is an option, Nick. It's a derision free zone. 
uh, here when you talk about the Brighton players this week and the Dallas Buyers Club. That is a, some, a point of derision because you should never have had to buy him. You should have had him since game week one like I did. Um, he's one hell of a player to have and I think he's definitely someone that people should look to have in their side for that blank game week and probably should just never sell. He's just a good player to have in your side. It would be lovely to be able to say Newcastle because they actually have great fixtures now um, between now and that blank game week. They actually have a game in the blank game week as well, which is obviously helpful against Brighton, who can't score. But the problem is that Newcastle almost have no attacking players left. Like every time you open up Twitter or something, it's just like, oh, Newcastle have lost another attacking player. And you kind of have to get concerned for them uh, when their form is uh, tanking as well. Like, is it worth making that transfer? And the answer probably is no, but there could be a few clean sheets in there too. And Jamal Lewis, 4.2. Yeah, but like he gets rotated. He got rotated that one week. He's no. played the uh, he's played the last. He could have genuinely games, played actually. every game since, but the the week that you want him is the week that he won't be there. Was, the yeah, that was, that was that's when with Lewis last time. But yeah, four point two million. He's played the last nine, and as you said, Newcastle actually have some some great fixtures. So perhaps another bargain basement option. So yeah, just to say the next five: West Brom, Villa, Brighton, Spurs, Burnley. Right? Yeah, if only. But it's Newcastle, and they are rubbish. So. Oh, like, but it, it's not just they're rubbish. Like, you just think Sam Max injured. Amiron injured. Callum Wilson injured. Like, where is their goals going to come from? You know. Are you, are you uh, saying to buy Jolinton? Is that what you're, you're recommending here? Anthony? No, Ryan Fraser's underlying stats are actually okay, but I wouldn't recommend <laughs> it because like, he creates a chance for what? You know, like, for Jolinton to smash yeah, over the bar. If, if, if a chance you, you is created can't... a forest and nobody's there to finish it, does it? Is it a chance created? You know? <laughs> yeah. No. Like, yeah. No, definitely. If only Wilson was fit. Eh? Excellent. Right. Final question this week oh, is a- Andy Carroll. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm going to keep steamrolling forward there. No, let's not do that. Right. Over planning is the final question this week. Ed FPR Rhinos asks if we over plan for blanks and doubles too much. He says he's hitting his way through it. And of course, he had Mara and Bell this week, so he can be smug about it. And he says he's doing much better uh, than the planning meetings tended to suggest. So, have we or do we over plan uh, blanks and doubles? And is it a case that we're kind of overthinking them and that's leading us on the road to ruin, guys? What do we think? Anthony, you hate planning. Uh, you hold all your chips back and just hope for the perfect situation to come about. Um, it worked so well this week, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but you've obviously not jumped in and wildcard early, not jumped in and TC early, not jumped in and BB early. I mean, do you think we overplan? Is it to our detriment? Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, I, I kind of feel like it's kind of paralysis by analysis at times. And like, you know, it's obviously helpful to be abreast of stats and things, but I do feel like planning transfers weeks in advance when injuries, suspensions, randomness, form, fixtures, players emerge. Like Gareth Bale has now emerged. If one of us had suggested Gareth Bale five weeks ago, we'd have had more correspondence than we've had in the correspondence in the last uh, three months combined saying, why the hell did you talk about Gareth Bale? Um, you know, these things happen and then suddenly like the whole entire uh, Zeitgeist discourse completely changes. And so, yeah, over planning is, I think, just a bit of a killer. Obviously, with blanks, you have to plan a little bit, especially, I think, defensive transfers, just to have your 11 men on the pitch. And I can kind of see that to a very, you know, to, in a different way to the likes of, you know, maybe like premium roulette, like over planning that is just like a fool's errand because I kind of feel like most of the premium players are fixture proof anyway and kind of we're kind of over adjusting to try and get those marginal gains that aren't necessarily there to be found and often we just shoot ourselves in the foot in the process 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if, if managers kind of just over planning, to, uh, so to speak. I genuinely think with like the craziness of the fixtures that we've seen, um, you know, the likes of Brent Krellin have just been like a, a brilliant asset to the community and they've really helped the likes of me and Tom who've kind of planned our wild cards, ended up with these triple figure scores and, and you know, having that extra information has definitely saved us and allowed us to kind of think about the wider picture as well, you know, the game week 29 plan, that sort of thing. Um, and I, I certainly think there is a tendency, though, you know, on the contract, on the contract to kind of like FPL managers sometimes go overboard. You see a lot on Twitter, all these crazy plans. So you're, you're right in that sense. And it reminds me a little bit of that, that gift from, um, so Charlie from always uh, sunny in Philadelphia, trying to manically map out a scheme slash plan, which is just, you know, complete jargon ultimately. But I, you know, I, I do think sort of thinking five moves ahead, kind of like, in like a game of chess um, does reap some reward eventually and and you know you, you do see that managers put, put the sort of that effort in can get ahead of the sort of work league opponents who are perhaps only looking at that one week of fixtures not looking at the bigger picture and um, you know planning with the likes of Ben helping us out was definitely um, added benefit at least to my game in, in the last few weeks yeah I think at the risk of being the rabble rouser guy I think it's fun I like planning ahead. I like having that time of the year. I'm not going to plan ahead most of the year. Most of the year I'm thinking, you know, two or three moves ahead maybe at most. But I love the fact that during the, during the year, there's that kind of double, the doubles and blanks season, you know. I love the excitement of that. And I love being able to sit down with a spreadsheet and kind of go, yeah, all right. I've, I've probably lost. No, we haven't lost anyone because you've listened to this now. Wow, yeah, you're, you're in deep. Um, I love being able to sit there and kind of think, you know what? All right, I, I can plan my moves. I can kind of figure out how many players I'm going to get in, have an exact plan, execute it. In recent years, not do very well. In past years, do very, very well. Um, and I, I just I just find that um, there's an allure about that. And I think that I definitely, I can understand and I think it's a completely valid point that you can just go week to week, have great fun, you know, just kind of going, oh, what's it, what's it, what's it this week? Oh, it's a blank. All right, I'm going to hit these players out. Oh, hang on. Oh, these players have got doubles. All right, great. I'll, I'll get a few of those in and get minus 12. You know, oh, I've got 99. I've got 100 minus 12. Oh, all right, fine. But I like the fact that the feeling of being a little bit ahead as Nick's kind of inferred there just from kind of having that kind of little bit more information or at least that kind of doing that little bit more effort um, and hoping that that's enough to get you ahead of your more, your more kind of casual rivals in the leagues or, um, you know, just get yourself ahead of the game and um, just to get a little bit of a green arrow and get a boost around this sort of time. I like to see that sort of extra bit of effort pay off in a week-to-week kind of situation where there's no planning involved we don't have to figure out right what i'm going to do with this blank with the double next and have to come up with a gestalt strategy in a normal season it very much does come down to is it all right on the night if we're in the situation where there are blanks and doubles and you've got this kind of strategy that's appended to it then you do have that sort of edge on people, like that old school edge, which hasn't quite gone away yet. It still hasn't been kind of boiled down and simplified by the FPL show into something that your casual manager can pick up and play with. Um, so I think that there is definitely a benefit to planning. It's just obviously whether, as Anthony said, we end up in analysis paralysis and we over plan. And that's definitely something that can happen. Um, but I think year on year, especially, you know, Nick, and I'm sure you, Anthony, have seen, you have done better from having a plan and kind of going with it in terms of the alternative, which would have been to just do nothing and go and play it week to week, right? Yeah, like I, ho- I hope I haven't come across as the like, you know, burn the spreadsheet, uninstall Excel and just, you know, 
get on to fast Premier League on a Saturday morning, maybe a Friday night if you're lucky, and just make a few transfers, lad. You know, that's definitely not the suggestions. Just watch the game, mate. <laughs> yeah, just, just watch the game and just make a transfer on a Sunday and hope it's fine. Like seven days later, yeah, no, that's totally no, that's not what I'm saying. I'd be it'd be absolutely daft that I'd be here talking on a podcast if that was what I was suggesting. <laughs> so no, um, but of course I just feel that there, there is kind of planning four and five weeks in advance it kind of does become a little bit futile and then as I said like I think there's a big difference between planning your defensive solid 90 minute man picks versus your big picks and especially as well actually maybe your supporting cast to link back to a pod earlier in the season you know the, the Rafinha type characters that you get into your side and take out of your side your Sucheks your Lingards I, they're the ones that I feel like there's the most benefit and rank gain to get out of in a double game week but making a decision on one of those three or four weeks in advance can be really foolish because you know you're kind of looking for returns in one or two games from them so there's no point trying to hope for returns in four games when you might think they're only going to come in one and that's maybe where the line is drawn and obviously it's not it's impossible to predict so you kind of have to make educated guesses and things at the same time with an element of a plan Cool. All right, let's move on to transfers and captains then, guys. I think we've maybe considered what we're doing. I think, Nick, uh, to start off with you, I think you're looking at the Cancelo move-in, aren't you? Yeah, that's what I'm planning. Uh, Cancelo, triple up on City for the double game week and, and Luke Shaw will go, even though Luke Shaw feels a bit weird to sell him. You know, just picked up a double clean sheet and he's actually got some amazing underlying stats with all these chances that he's been creating. Um, been very impressive. Uh, just uh, is the only defender I can actually sell for Cancelo and so um, with United's fixtures and the blank it kind of makes sense in that respect so that's that's what I'm planning there in terms of the captain um, I know you, you mentioned about the don't captain um, the likes of Goodman he's actually the one I'm, I'm going to go for this particular week and take a risk he didn't play the last game he, he's barely um, been rotated at all all season and he didn't play the last game so I'm hoping and it's a bit of a gamble and I'm hoping he's now had his rest and, and will play the next couple um, and uh, yeah, I don't quite fancy um, captain likes of Stones or Coachella either because um, you know they could easily be rotated. And City have a double game week, so it feels it would feel a bit odd to not captain a double game week player, especially when you've got the likes of Gundogan, who's sort of a really nice home game against Southampton included in there, and could easily get a return Manchester United. So that's that's what I'm going for in terms of the armband. Mm-hmm. I think after this week, it probably won't be a case of captaining City player against the risks, but I think. Yeah, I think it's worth it with Gunton. Yeah, so of my City players, I think it's it's Diaz who would be the leading light for the captaincy. I just feel like he's that little bit safer from rotation. And that's, you know, with quotation marks and asterisks all over because you really can't predict these things, as we've said, this pod and every other pod this season. Um, maybe the interesting point in my team is that I might actually bench boost this week because my whole entire... What? Has, yeah, Hang on, my, uh, you kept that everyone quiet. Has, what? what? Yeah, every, I, I kind of I looked at it there with my transfer. It was the reason why Ina came in actually, was that it just kind of it looked quite good from a just the whole squad has good fixtures. That's pretty much it. Like there's just there's almost nobody with a bad fixture. Like the arguable case is that um, Salah versus Ina is a bad thing, but I wanted basically to cover myself. If Liverpool played badly, I'd probably get the clean sheet, and if Liverpool did well, then Salah might do something, and then kind of thread the rest of the side everything is good. Like it's two West Ham lads playing against Leeds, Leeds lads playing against West Ham. Sure, something will happen between them. Um, quite a good few fixtures for the, I have the Triple City already. I've goalkeepers, both good fixtures. Arsenal away to Burnley with Saka there. Kane, Crystal Palace at home. Bardi away to Brighton. Two teams who create but don't seem to score anymore. 
Um, what what could possibly go wrong? I I just feel like I don't know. I'd identified it about mm. four weeks ago as a possible bench boost option, and it's kind of come together quite nicely with nobody injured. I didn't really want to make it a plan because two injuries and I wouldn't have done it. Um, now it's kind of coming together. Fair enough. Interesting. Interesting. So as I said, I'm looking to get rid of Calvert-Lewin, I think. Um, and probably, um, as James Corral has uh, just said elsewhere, use this opportunity without Calvert-Lewin if they do get a double game with 28. So think about which Everson player I probably want to bring in. Um, I'm going to remove him and probably bring in Antonio. Unlike Nick, I'm probably going to be captaining outside of the double game week and hoping people do fall for that and get one game, which is the Manchester Derby, which is nil-nil, and then see mass rotation Southampton. Probably going to be looking at captaining maybe Kane or maybe, if I buy Antonio, captaining him. Um, you know, I'm 236 or whatever is K. I need to make that sort of gamble at this moment in time. Um, so that could be one I go for. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet. I could get feared into captaining Gundogan or maybe even Diaz, but that's the way I'm looking at the moment. And um, the rest of my team's pretty damn solid. Um, so yeah, all good anyway. I shouldn't be needing to take a hit unless there's a yeah, an injury revelation or two tomorrow. Cool, thanks, Tom. Yeah, that, that bench boost sounds really interesting, actually, Anthony. Looking at your team, I can understand why you're going for it to a certain extent. So uh, wish you luck with that. I still, I still got my triple captain myself, but I'm not sure when I'm going to use that right now. But yeah, I think the city rotation means I'm not going to use it this week um, so yeah we were who got these assists thank you so much for listening and yeah make sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and uh, join our mini league as well the code is CPSUOF yeah so another pod there that has obviously kind of come at you rapidly after a game weekend has a very limited shelf life so hope you enjoyed it and uh, best of luck in the coming game week we will be back after the city game at the other side of the double game week uh, next week Although it's unlikely that I'll be here, I'm back into yet another exam season, so probably won't be read. Best luck with those, mate. Um, yeah, back to OG pods with Nick for a little bit, but we might get a guest on soon. In the meantime, I hope Sister you during this quick turnaround. Have a good weekend. Speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. See you guys. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.